Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts and the paranormal, psychic ability, rape, incest, domestic violence, femicide, murder, suicide, foster care, emancipation, um, willful education, um, socioeconomic demographics and <laughs> options when you're poor and you're in poverty, um, ways to keep safe when you got less options and less money. That's something I think about and talk about some. Um, therapy, uh, recovery, support groups, BDSM, kink, Buddhism, agnosticism, atheism, being child free, and um, being happy. <laughs> and we equal, see, we equal, see. Uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, anything else I should throw in there? This, uh, this place, uh, the house on Valencia Street was a house I grew up in, in Walla Walla, Washington many decades ago, several decades ago. And uh, this haunted house still haunts me still, and it haunts my sisters too. There were four of us there, three of us, four sisters saw ghosts in this house. And my mama, she was just trying to survive at the time with a, a man beating her into the hospital and sometimes beating us too, see? Um, we survived, we got therapy, we recovered. I talk about some of it here. There's options, you know? So let's see. Okay, here we go. Um, now some of these topics here that we're talking about, <laughs> they're pretty damn intense, ain't they? Um, a lot of this place is a room, it's a place to workshop and feel more calm and more connected and whole. This is a place for healing, this location here. So here at the house, um, I'm putting a fence around the house, and I'm saying that here in this location, no one who has not been raped is going to tell me how to talk about being raped. I get to take up equal space, and as long as there's boundaries and consent, we get to talk about what we get to talk about legally, see? So um, a lot of this is consent, though, and we need to think about that. So you can consent. Hey, you want to check this shit out? Hey, come on down. There's plenty to listen to. I got about five or six things that one of them is a little bit wacky. I'm excited to jump on into that one, but um, <clears throat> you can consent. You can say, wow, that's a lot. I'm kind of, woo, I'm a bit lit up there, but I'll give it a go. Um, you might say, no, uh, you know, I've got to grout my shower and I, I got to really get to that. See, and um, I, I just can't focus on this stuff right now. Or maybe, you know, the topics just are triggering or just not where you can focus right now. That's okay. Uh, you got the options. Uh, you can consent. You can say no. Although you can grab your shower while listening to this podcast. You can do both of them at the same time if you want to. Just saying. you know. But, you know, your consent, your choice, it's important, right? So uh, we get to talk about consent. And I talk about consent a lot here uh, because some of us had it catastrophically ripped out of our hands. And it changed us forever. It changes forever. So um, let's talk about it. Let's take up space. Let's be more gentle and safe for the people that survived the hell that we lived through, a lot of us, you know, because a lot of us are walking around with trauma. By the time you get to 40 or 50, something's happened. 
<laughs> so did you know you can heal? And there's all kinds of ways out there to get you to heal. How about that? Sometimes things, you know, get better. How about that? Let's see what else. Uh, do, 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 do. Hey, this is a volunteer organization. And uh, it's a volunteer service organization. Your support would really make a difference. And it does make a difference. Uh, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash MoMA. And that's spelled M-O-H-M-A-H. And you can listen to the pod. You can go ahead and donate there. Um, I have goals for having kind of a two-way relationship, maybe creating a Patreon. Uh, and I'd love to have you patronizing me, you know. So <laughs> if, if there's money involved, <laughs> well, no, I, I shy away from money. I run away from money. That's one of the reasons I'm I'm living out here as a recluse. But uh, I'll quote Dolly Parton. <laughs> you go ahead, call me dumb. Uh, what was it? Yeah, you go ahead, call me dumb. You go ahead, call me blonde. Because I know I ain't a dumb blonde. I know I ain't either of those. It's I know I ain't dumb. I know I ain't blonde. So I kind of mucked that up, but I think you get the gist of that. I think actually that the quote, I, there's another quote of hers I'm thinking of, actually, to be clear. It's, um, she was talking about how they could insult her. They could uh, castigate her. They could sexually harass her. They did all kinds of things. She says, and she, you know, she gets to get on stage and put a smile on her face. And she'd say, you know, go ahead, you know, do all that, you know, and I'll do my work and here, give me money. You know, she was like this whole thing of like, just put a smile on your face and get out there. Cause you can call me whatever name you want to, but you know, I, I'm going to put a smile on my face and you pay for my time. That's fine. See? So she had this uh, strength to her where she realized that some people weren't going to accept who she was. And she just accepted that to do her work. Right. Which is, Oh, my heart gets big and full when I think about all the, the music that she's brought us and the story she's brought us and just the grace and the example. <clears throat> she donated all that money. Is it Moderna? Is that, I don't remember which vaccine she donated the money to, but what a graceful thing. And um, although we need to change cultures, say, uh, billionaires given donations to compensate for the fact that we don't have universal health care and to compensate for the fact that they don't pay taxes on those billions which gives them an incredible edge that the rest of us don't have. See, well, uh, a majority of us don't have, that's a issue. So let's get into the disclaimers. I want to make sure everything's going through till we get on to the next. Yeah. Check out that donate. You could donate for five bucks, or 10 bucks a month. I don't have a patron Patreon yet. Although I do, do look forward to you patronizing me. And, um, <laughs> um, I got some plans. See, it's just, we're doing what we can, uh, now and again, as we can build up here. Um, Okay, volunteer service organization, uh, say something about donations. Uh, there's something else I got to do. Oh, hey, if mental health stuff is kicking up for you, please consider getting professional therapy. That's not me. Um, you deserve that support. You deserve someone qualified. Understand that therapists are human too. And, you know, three out of four of them are going to be pretty decent, most likely, but that one. <laughs> Could change your life forever too. So you got to be... Uh, self, um, when you're building self-esteem, you got to evaluate and go, okay, I got you the right therapist. So there's options out there and give a second opinion. If you don't feel comfortable with the first therapist, if you can find them. And if you're poor, you can't afford therapy. You got support groups, you got a health department. Um, YouTube is a friend. I'm on YouTube every day, listening to downloads and all kinds, there's all kinds of options. So we, we got options to get there. 
I think, okay, so talk to a therapist. I'm not a professional therapist. This is for entertainment purposes only. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this. I think we're ready to get in about eight minutes in about fucking time. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Um, well, <laughs> I was in meditation today. I guess I'll tell you a little story this morning, which is a common story that I think a lot of us may experience now and again, especially given the gender stuff I've talked about with uh, empathy and self-awareness, right? Um, <laughs> I was meditating this morning and I was doing listening to an audio book uh, that I'm going to be talking about on the series uh, by, uh, it's called Ask and It Is Given, a very popular book. And uh, we'll be diving into that. But I was just letting my intuition flow, you know, and I got drawn to a book. I was like, oh, let's look at that. It was a photo book. I started looking through it. And I was just slowly listening to my meditation and, and looking through these photos. And there was a photo of someone I hung out with in high school that I didn't really think about much. Um, his name was Lane. His name was Lane. Uh, like the, like the street, like the, the, you know, the traveling street, like the, the road. And he was a good looking boy. Uh, I was a good looking, well, I was a decent looking girl back then. And we hung out some, but we didn't really know each other. We never had deep conversations, but there's time we hung out at lunchtime and in high school and the like. And I was looking through these old photo albums and I was like, what happened to him? He was just in a photo montage and he has a very unusual name. So I went, well, and I looked him up bam had him i was like damn that was the quickest it's very rare that that quick you just one google search you got him and i was like oh okay so then i was like oh maybe intuition is drawing me to connect to this person i'll i'll follow this path why not i'll follow the random path that's provided so i'm looking it up and i'm autonomous and while i've been autonomous for years sometimes i think about dating you know and and uh I'm looking at it. Okay, there he is. Oh, that's him. Tells him. Looks just like him. You know, same thing. And he's in Hawaii now. And, um, but um, you could tell by his posts that we're not looking at the same things. And, uh, you know, and we write differently. And, you know, you're sitting there going, okay. A lot of run-on sentences and stuff. Okay. No no punctuation. Okay. Everything's uh, lowercase. Okay. This is not E.E. E. Cummings either. This is just education or choice and focus. Okay. So I'm just kind of absorbing him and seeing if there's anything I like. And I'm thinking, wow, he went to Hawaii. That's fantastic. Oh, this is really exciting. And then, <laughs> like if you've been on a personal site, there's a lot of women out here who know what's going to happen next. Okay. <laughs> You see that photo. You see the photo you can't unsee. You see the photo of something you don't want to see. Okay. <laughs> you see the photo that's not illegal, but shown way too much. And is obviously something's missing and they don't see it. And they're like, why did you post this on Facebook? It don't make no sense. So <clears throat> I'm looking at this, you know, fairly, I, he was confident and, and uh, well, he's somewhat confident. I thought he was nice enough. And we hung out and we had classes together once or twice, but there wasn't a deep, real soulful connection. We never talked about God or spirit or a comedy. We just kind of shared space, right? So <laughs> he has a photo of him standing in a messy bathroom wearing a pair of uh, tidy whitey underwear. And um, it's not a flattering look. And, um, and the thing is, I'm not trying to be, I'm not body shaming here. This is boundary 
boundary shaming <laughs> because he's fine. I mean, he's, you know, average. I'm, you know, <clears throat> I consider myself kind of average. He seems kind of average. I mean, everybody's beautiful in, in themselves of God, of, of spirit, but um, it's one of those way too much, you know, uh, way too much. And like um, the mental health was illustrated in the photo. Uh, he's standing, there's a bunch of messy um, stuff in the background. Um, he's got the camera covering his face. So his identity is hidden, but his whole body's exposed. And he's like, take a look at this. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, it's a gross photo because you know, and I know you go to a personal site when a person puts a body image up, but they cover their face and they're looking at you with a hard look. That's a predatory look. That's not an inviting series. That's not a, even like a sensual look. That's like a, I don't even know my context and I just want to be seen. So here's my junk. You know what I mean? And it's like, you go to a personal site, you want to take a look at some, uh, you know, pictures of people. Well, you're going to have the guys that put their photo crotch central. They frame it so that their penis and their legs, the wide spreader, the, what's it? The wide sitter. They've had some jokes about that, how, you know, you know, guys will sit there and spread it like, you know, they're, you know, bury me in a Y shaped coffin like that see so <laughs> anyway so i had a little venture this morning that ended in oh no <laughs> and i was like why did you so sometimes when you're following your intuitive path on your your uh, meditation path sometimes it's going to bring you to yeah, I'll go another year or two celibate. I'm okay with that. And the thing is, like I said, it's not a body shaming thing. He looks just fine. It was just gross. The energy was gross, you know. So if you're going to post a personal image of yourself on a dating site or something like that, if you're covering your face, but your entire body's exposed, and it's awkward body language, and there's a bunch of det detrimus or uh, weird, you know, disheveled crap in the background, this is an indicator or a red flag, see? And I, I'm going to de delineate or um, compare to like, you know, if you're a 300 pound person and you're sitting there and you're happy and you're beautiful and you, you know, whatever you feel, show off your body. Yeah, I want to celebrate you. I want you to feel joy and acceptance. Although inappropriate boundaries and having, I, did, I didn't need to see his junk. I didn't need, <laughs> what are they thinking? I don't know. I just don't, I'm not in the same space. And the thing is, I, you know, in a relationship, <clears throat> man, whatever, it's really nice once you finally get into a trusting situation where you can do what you want to do and just say, okay, anything you want. We got, we got our 101 nights. We've got Arabian nights. We got all kinds of options, or we could just sit on the couch and crochet in silence. That's an option too, right? So anyway, <clears throat> I had a my little adventure and little hope got thwarted out by a gross, I want to run away from that just because it was like, Oh, Lane. Oh, so I had to let that go. But um, I'm grateful for the adventure. And a lot of it is the adventure, right? So let's go ahead and switch topics because uh, the focus today is going to be the quick fix. The quick fix. Okay. Um, now what I was just describing on that little adventure I just took, that wasn't the quick fix per se. The quick fix I'm talking about it has to do with constructive work and things that are going to help. Tara Brock, who's a Buddhist psychologist I talk about now and again, uh, she has a concept in her meditation called meeting my edge and softening, meeting my edge and softening. 
now someone who tries to be aware of what's going on with myself because I have to manage PTSD symptoms and sometimes it's an executive function thing where I got to just sit still for a while because I can't eat for six hours. You know, it's, <clears throat> you know, and it's, it's hard sometimes to figure it out. So uh, you got habits that help you get through it. And after 10, 20, 30 years, you, you figure out how little patterns of behavior, right? A big part of it is accepting that I'm going to have these thoughts. I'm going to see memories that I don't want to see and I don't have consent or control over because it was done to me. I was formed in it and it's baked into me because I was four or five and I'm in my fifties now. So accepting that you have these things that are wrong or not wrong, don't feel good. We're not consenting. We're traumatic. They're going to be wandering around inside of you, right? Further, um, I'm going to compare that to the fact that culturally we're changing a bit, being more aware. For example, I'll offer, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to give a heads up. I'm going to be discussing things that might be offensive um, because I want to talk about how to adapt and heal it. So I'm going to say something that might have been colloquially something we would say. And now you look back 20 years later and go, that was a poor choice. And maybe I could have had more empathy. So I'm going to apologize right now and say some of these things I'm talking about, I didn't know were offensive till someone told me. And it was because in Walla Walla, they didn't tell me that. Right. So <clears throat> uh, I got big hair. I got big hair and um, it's just curly and wavy and it's, uh, it's hard to manage. And um, I sometimes will use products um, from black and brown skin people. Sometimes they'll have products in coconut oil and things like that. I'll study uh, the hair because I have to manage my hair and it's really big and wild. It's like a lion's mane, you know, and so um, many times I just opt for a ponytail. I just kind of pull it back and get it out of the way. But I, it's big and it's beautiful and I love it. It's just I don't know how to manage it sometimes, right? So um, when I was a kid, when I'd wake up, my hair would be all messy and big. I'd say, Man, I look like a bush woman from Africa. I look like a bush woman from Africa. <laughs> I heard that a lot in Walla Walla. That was a phrase that I heard at the post office. I heard that phrase in school. Okay, here's an, and that was a uh, pause. That's offensive and it's racist. I just want to acknowledge that's offensive and it's racist. Okay, so uh, if anyone's going to be taking clips out of context, I'm just going to acknowledge this is i'm this is how we fix it the, the goal of this is to say these are the words and maybe i can here's another one that, okay this is a wacky one i had a sister who shower name nameless that uh well the french one the french one i've referred to in the past she lives within 20 miles of my house she inherited she married conservative christian uh their hero is rand paul rand paul is their hero okay and um it's really been painful letting go of those folks, right? So, um, but why am I even talking about her? I'm talking about the quick fix. Oh, she taught me this word that I'd never heard from anybody else. And it was jigaboo, jigaboo. I heard that walla walla when I was about 12 or 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, my sister, the French one taught me that word. Uh, we went into, I think she might've heard that at college. I don't know where she heard that. It's a racist word, it's gross. And it, well, let me phrase that. The way it's used contextually is not considerate. It is racist. And it is um, what Tara Brock calls making someone an unreal other, an unreal other. 
Okay. Because if it's in honoring and respect with consent done with equality, that's a different thing. You know, that's a cultural heritage thing. The name Jigaboo came from somewhere. I need to actually research that word and I'm apologizing right now. I probably could have the etymology of that um, up right now. But my sister taught me that word. And I remember I went to, she was volunteering and doing service work at Planned Parenthood in Walla Walla. She was at this time very modern. She was into Kate Bush, being an atheist and dating an English professor. And she was very hip, very chic. And I learned a lot about fashion and cutting edge stuff from her. Uh, part of my identity is her because I learned how to interpret Kate Bush and all these artists that I'd never heard of, you know, uh, Happy Roads, Ecto album, all these strange, unusual female artists. She brought me these things, you know. And uh, I'd gone to Plant Parenthood because I was coming in to visit my sister who was doing counseling there. And she had an office in the building and um, she didn't have a degree, but she was just doing mentoring for people who were considering if they wanted to consider their options. Um, and she wanted to give people the choice to choose what was best for them. So I came into the office and she said something and I was doing the sparring thing, the joking thing like we did. This is before foster care, so I'm probably 14 or so. And I remember saying over the counter, I said, oh, you silly little jigaboo. And my sister looked at me like a brick hitter and her eyes got big and she was just stunned. And I didn't understand why, because I was young. Right. And she goes, can we, um, can you come here? I'd like to talk to you about something. And I was like, oh, so she took me into her office and she goes, uh, the word jigaboo, can you tell me why you're using that word? And, and I was like, well, you taught it to me. I never heard it anywhere before. I mean, you made fun of me and called me a jigaboo. So I called you jigaboo back. What's a jigaboo? I didn't know. <laughs> and then her face just sunk and she looked down and she said, okay, um, don't use that word. It's a bad word. And I don't want you using that word and it's wrong. And um, you didn't do anything wrong. I just need you to know it's a bad word. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. So I later came to find out that that was in that context was they were making fun of somebody and the joke was that it, they were different. And so they were comparing him to someone that was different and it was, it was, it was unkind. It was a mean thing. It was cruel. See, so <clears throat> today on quick fix, we're talking about ways to reroute stuff. Okay. With my spiritual work, a big part of it is to be present with what is and say, how do we make it different? How do we reroute? So today I'm going to share a couple quick fixes that I found through my therapy and counseling over years to kind of help me navigate when somebody says something awkward or inappropriate. Okay, because we all, it happens now again, yeah. So um, here's a couple quick fixes that I've learned recently, okay. So like I just shared a couple of inappropriate things. And it's not that those, um, the way they're described is just mean, okay. And it's not a kind thing. It's not I'm listening to you and I'm learning about you from your perspective, right, which is part of why I'm here doing this work right now. So here's one thing that I've learned that we could do when somebody says something racist or sexist or um making fun of poor people. Uh, for example, I'm a big fan of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald because she talks to survivors of rape and incest and she talks to people who help survivors and she talks to rape and incest, rape survivors. She's talked to people who've experienced some hard things and let, lets them talk, you know, and I really appreciate that about it. Although I was watching it this weekend and um, there's class issues going on. They were making fun of people because they were homeless and, and poor. And I was like, that's me. 
ouch, you know what I mean? So uh, sometimes we are doing classes stuff that we don't realize we're doing. And sometimes you got to listen to someone you consider an equal to get feedback, right? Um, so here's one way to respond when somebody says something inappropriate like that. You go, oh, or maybe they don't know. Maybe they're ignorant. See, like for me, I didn't have malice in, in the case when I was using those racist words. Uh, I was following an example of people in Walla Walla, right? But I, once I learned what it was and how it was mean, I, I w it was radiation. Get away from me. No, no, that's not my intention at all. And I was just following people that taught me, see? So here's one way to respond to this. We don't say that anymore. We don't say that anymore because it's racist. There's options to that. And then you can validate the feeling. You know, we don't say that anymore. We say something else. Uh, here's another way to say that. Um, you'll hear me say this. Wait, I can say it better. Give me a second. And I recalibrate. <laughs> so there's a couple ways there that I'm just giving you a couple quick fixes that I use sometimes when I get in this corner and I'm like, ah, I'm not really comfortable with what's going on here. And, or uh, someone's responding negatively and I may not know why. See, I was a hick at a walla walla and then I had to teach myself some things. And so you can hear in my voice as it changes from walla walla to when I got to my knowledge I learned in my twenties, my accent changes. Cause uh, you know, so anyway, there's a couple options. Uh, we don't say that anymore. Uh, and then also, if you can neutrally acknowledge there's a frustration, although say we don't want to use that racist or sexist word, um, and like making fun of people who are poor, uh, well, maybe they rape an incest survivors like me, and maybe they already did, and you haven't met them because they were my foster sisters, see? So there's ways to, sometimes the shaming and judging of people can really be harmful. And while, okay, I'm going to do this on the fly here. Let's see. Um, I'm going to mention this woman. Uh, it was, uh, one second, uh, her name. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I want to honor uh, Chelsea Christ. Chelsea Christ, she was former Miss USA, and um, she suicided this last week. And um, I feel sad. And uh, this person was willfully educated. She was a lawyer. Uh, and to be a Miss USA, you got to be a hard-ass worker. <laughs> That's a hard job to get. You know, there's a lot that goes along with that world and that dynamic. So uh, honoring Miss Chelsea Christ. And um, I, my heart is sent, my, I, my heart feels sadness and, and love for you. And I'm regretting that I got to know you only in this manner. I wish I had gotten to know you in a different manner, like Mary Trump. Uh, I find her fascinating, although I had to get to meet her through her uncle. You know what I mean? So there you go. So here's a couple things I think we was talking about the quick fix, how we turn it around when we were saying things like, oh, that's bad news. You don't want to be saying that. Um, one of the ways I do that is I meditate pretty regularly, you know, just 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I've talked about uh, Esther Hicks. Um, I wanted to dive into this book, and I'll just mention I've only got a couple minutes left. I think I'm going to keep this to 30 minutes today. Um, I'm reading a book called Asking It Is Given, Learning to Manifest Your Desires. This is published in 2004. Uh, this is written by Esther and uh, Esther and Abraham Hicks and Jerry Hicks. And it's about manifesting what you want. Some concepts to think about. I'm going to switch into this now, I guess. I, I don't like to do it with the little amount of time I got. I'll add on a little time if I need to, I suppose. But um, 
There was a Rutgers study that came out that Tony Robbins mentioned in some of his work. They studied millionaires and people who had made millions. And in Rutgers, what they did is they followed several students um, through over a decade and longer. And they found that with consistently people who wrote down their goals when they were in college and said, I'm going to make a million dollars by this date, etc. Um, consistently, the people that wrote down their goals manifested them. Okay. Meaning that there was a heavy correlation between writing down your goals and making them happen. And let me give you another reference on this one. Let's see if I can pull this up here. I'm going to talk about Gail Matthews. This is a frequently referred to study. Uh, you probably heard it now and again, if you've in the last five to seven years of like uh, Inc. Incorporated Psychology Today, I think may have referred to this study. Gail Matthews, she comes from Dominican University out of California. She published a study talking about writing down your goals. Now her study had a three-pronged part, but the one thing that always gets quoted and the one thing to con think about. 42% of people are more likely to carry out their goals just by writing them down. So if you write down your crap and just say, I won't do this, you know, you got a 42% more likely it's going to manifest. Okay. Well, that's interesting. There's a couple different studies talking about just writing it down. That's discipline. That takes time, don't it? Yeah. Um, looks like I'm coming up on a half hour here. I think I might just take a commercial break and come back with another five to 10 minutes on this. In the book, Asking It Is Given, um, if you go to Amazon and take a look at this book, there's over 10,000 reviews. That's five star. Okay. And, uh, Goodreads too. There's over 30,000 reviews of this book. This was a popular book. This is a number one bestseller. Um, and we got Louis, Louise Hay, John Gray, Wayne Dyer, and Christian Northrup, along with Neil Walsh. They all wrote forewords or recommendations for this book. Okay, why is this book so interesting? Hmm? Let's take a look at it. It may not be the quickest fix, but the techniques, once you get them down, it could be a damn near quick fix in my estimation. So we'll go ahead and take a little uh, commercial break here and then get into this because I've, it's been feeling really awesome. I will bring a little bit of that to you. So let's see what happens, okay? All right. We're back. Oh, yeah. All right. <clears throat> Ask and it is given. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Today I'm exploring quick fixes or ways I mentally turn things around when something's stinky and bad. Okay, so uh, I'm talking about a couple techniques for changing the way I think and the way a lot of us are thinking, especially during a pandemic, during a political situation like we got in the United States right now. Um, today's date is uh, February 4th, 2022. Um, well, why talk about asking it as given? This is probably a popular book. Um, it brings a lot into perspective about manifestation and especially meditation. But I'll give you a little quote from the book that'll kind of give you a gist of what we might be dealing with here. Quote, it is our desire that you become happy with that which you are and that which you have, while at the same time being eager for more. Quote, ah. Oh. I see the book as being a focus or talking about how to be more content. I mean, just the short gist of it. Um, 
This book is useful. Uh, I'm about an hour into eight hours of an audiobook with it. Um, I've got words here from Louise Hay and Christiane Northup. She wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And Neil Walsh, he wrote the Conversations with God series, which uh, I found very useful. And my mother and I read the Conversations with God's books. My mother also was a follower of the Course of Miracles in Walla Walla. And let's set a shout out and gratitude today because a big part of this thought process and training your brain to at least be present with what you are, right? Uh, my mother was an open-minded person spiritually. My mother was in the, did the Course of Miracles uh, in Walla Walla and she was really into it. That's when she was looking at maybe building a bookshop on the coast of Oregon. That's when she was individuating and trying to get out of a horrific situation that could have easily killed her with um, the ambivalence in Walla Walla, of her getting beat into the hospital repeatedly, the cops turning their back repeatedly, um, him threatening us repeatedly, you know, and um, those murmurs are going to be in my body until I die, just because I survived. And so let's just talk about allowing it, allowing it to be, and adjusting the focus. Um, Abraham Hicks talks a lot about uh, calibrating your um, vibration. <laughs> so let's say, for example, mm, uh, you got any monkeys on your back like I was talking about last week you want to get rid of that you think about a little too much and you're kind of holding a resentment? Well, baby, I got I got me a line of those. You know, Santa, Santa's got a list of naughty and nice and bullshit. Well, I got a list of resentments, don't we? Here, subsection C, part two. See the addendum. <laughs> Man, I give you some resentments. Can't, I mean, everybody's got a little bit of that going on. Um, if I could spend about 15 minutes a day meditating, and I have to get into the place where I want to come from spirit, right? I want to be in a spiritual place and then make my decisions from that place. Things go a lot better. Um, although, you know, for example, yesterday, <laughs> I've only got a couple cups of milk left. I got to go get groceries in the next couple of weeks. And I, I got to earn money for that because I had to pay off rent and phone and, you know, everything's real timed when it comes to money. But I was trying to save my resources and I was pouring a cup of milk and I was so excited because I was going to have my Ovaltine coffee. Oh yeah. I was getting that going because simple pleasures are the best. And I was like, that, if that's to make you happy, let's do it. So I'm sitting there and I'm getting this cup of milk ready and I'm like, okay, I've only got three or four cups of milk left. So I got to be careful. And I put that in there and I turn the corner and my elbow catches the cup <laughs> and the cup turns over a perfect flip punk and it's like my big favorite old mug and then there's just like a moon of fucking milk all over the fucking floor and it's on the cabinets and it's on the fucking stool and it's on the sink and it's on my it's on my my $200 shoes that I got 20 years ago that I got to recork. Yeah, I'm wearing Birkenstocks. What you going to do about it? Okay, anyway, well today, around the house, that's what we do. So I was I was sitting there doing my grandma, my grandma's tool was singing and I was singing up a storm while I was cleaning up this mess, you know, and I'm almost out of paper towels, but I got to use half the fucking roll to clean this shit up. Well, anyway, I had some feelings. Okay. Um this is when I need a sip of water. One moment. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm so why am I talking about that whole fucking thing? Well, <clears throat> it was an unpleasant experience. I have executive function skill issues as it is. <coughs> At this point in my life, I wasn't always like that. Pardon my cough. Anyway, um, 
I was singing the whole time and I was mad and I was writing up lyrics going, you son of a bitch, I don't want to be doing this. I'm going to, business wants me, want to puke. I think this is disgusting. Why do I got to do this? Da, 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 da. And I was just having a Broadway show in my kitchen. I don't know. They may, maybe they heard me from the street. I don't know. But I was, I had to clean up that milk because you know what's going to happen if you spilt milk, baby. I wasn't crying, but I was mad and I was singing through it. I was going, you son of a, so I'm like cleaning it up. Well, part of the ability to get through that thing without, you know, going off is to just, uh, retrain your brain and go, okay, this is going to be gross. I know it's going to be gross. I got to get through it. What tools do I got? Well, Abraham Hicks got a couple. (laughs) Um, I think the main thing I want to bring attention to, and I'm not going to do a book report on this guy, but, uh, cause I'm only, uh, I'm only about an hour out of eight hours listened to at this point, but, um, there's a lot of things that kind of ruminate when she's talking. And I think, mm, uh, I've been kind of exhausted mentally by applying some of these concepts the last month or two. A big part of it is verbalizing appreciation. Um, words that start coming out of your mouth more, uh, really making yourself say, I appreciate my bed. I adore my bed. I love flannel sheets. I feel the warmest, snuggliest, most awesome thing when I'm just wrapped up in all those blankets and I feel like the world is right and I'm comfortable. You know, things like this, I adore, I desire, I, well, not desire. I desire, I appreciate, I adore. Yeah, a lot of it's emphasizing what's right here that's satisfying to you. Um, and I know we all know the accentuate the positive delineate the negative something like that shit you know that old song that kind of it was a you know just emphasize the positive and all that bullshit you know to me i think there's a distinction with the discipline that she's teaching in this book and i don't know if it's a discipline she talks a lot about efforting efforting people put a lot of work into efforting and I've been quite compulsive and I'll put a lot into efforting. I have to work to be lovable. You see, I'm an unlovable person. I was told that I was neglected. And so, um, there's a sense of I'm wrong and I'm a bad person. And that's not the case. We all feel these things of trying to fit in and being lovable. You know, a lot of it could come from your, your child and family of origin stuff. So, um, this uh, spiritual book I'm talking about, uh, they have some spiritual concepts that you may or may not agree with. Um, I'll share a couple of them. Relax into the concept that you will never cease to be. You will never cease to come up with new ideas that God answers. Um, there's a science of deliberate creation. And many times being present is enough and desiring perhaps is enough. I think... Um, I'll kind of soften on getting all the details from the book out. Um, For a person who's experienced channeling, whether I liked it or not as a child, (laughs) for a person who in my teens, uh, right around puberty, had several channeling experiences that were kind of scary, but also very much an adrenaline rush, you know, and it was very exciting to have all those details coming out of you and channel. It's really exciting to hear and listen to the wisdom that comes from Abraham Hicks and also to recognize that many best-selling authors look towards Abraham Hicks for knowledge and Oprah Winfrey is interested in, in interviewing this person. So, okay, I'm doing cheerleading here, but what's the heart want to say on this? Um, it's a, it's, it's kind of an exercise 
daily to be present enough to recalibrate what you're saying. And instead of saying something insulting, you know, or in my case, I dressed up as a geisha girl in white face uh, maybe 30 years ago. And that's just like blackface, isn't it? And, you know, I might not do it these days now that I'm aware that that could be racist and that might not be considerate. And it's an archetype and it's a caricature, you know, it's, it's a specific type of culture, you know, and then um, while I enjoyed being dressed up, I don't know how, if it was empathetic to the culture I was espousing at the time. Right. So these, there's ways that I really appreciate listening uh, to others' perspectives to gain knowledge and to become kinder or more present uh, uh, because it is not my intent to harm or hurt uh, ever. Um, and I will stand up and do it. Once I establish that, if, if I'm getting that back at me, I, I will sometimes trade in, in kind, which that's another thing, rerouting it. How can I say this better? Uh, we don't say that anymore. You know, these these are some of the fixes that, you know, at least give you an opportunity to have a space in a room to consider options, right? So um, Abraham Hicks channels is a channeled, uh, non, they're non-physical entities that come through Esther. She's channeling these. And Jerry and Esther, they just were compatible and they were they saw all these millions and millions of dollars manifest and money's just one way of manifestation uh culturally a lot of people replace content or love with that right so um check out that book man uh, a lot of people think it's a pretty good book and we're talking 2004 um jerry hicks has since passed esther is still doing um work um and boy the way she does stuff just uh, the way they do things it has just been something to ponder because there's fixes out there and there like the abodes in buddhism relief can be just a mental thought away if you learn the options you know isn't that exciting that's the exciting thing i keep i think okay here goes cheerleader part i could have a fucking fabulous life being a pauper out here in the goddamn reclusive woods here in oregon i could be I could have a fucking Cirque du Soleil. I could have like a cabaret every goddamn night. Nobody needs to know about it, right? And isn't it exciting to think that you could just charge your up like self, like a light, like a battery, like a a shining, either a shining example or a horrible warning, right? As a 12-step per se. You know, isn't it exciting to know that you have the capacity to make yourself feel better just by choosing to focus in a different way? I just love that. And, and we're not talking to be trite. This is after... 10 years of therapy and decades of study, right? So, and my mother, Darlene, who was an example to me of how to look at nature of spirit in a different way and also was funny and joyful and survived. It showed me how to survive because there's lots of ways to survive out there. The house in Valencia Street was a solace and a harm, both. That haunted house we lived in got us through a couple more nights so we could continue surviving. And all of her gratitude to the house on Valencia Street, as fucked up and weird as you was, you helped us survive. And I'm grateful for that. So, anyway, I'm going to keep going today. Next is coffee. I came to you with an empty stomach and many glasses of water. Um, there is refreshment in that purity, in that fasting. Um, as a Buddhist, I've explored fasting. And it's um, people do intermittent fasting for um uh weight loss but i do it more for health and also um 
sometimes when you're contemplating things uh, conceptually, why eat? I mean, you don't. <laughs> I mean, this is not the eating disorder stuff, but it's just like you get sustained in so many different ways. You know, you're just like I have no desire to eat. You know what? Um, although you got to take care of your body so you can keep going, right? So anyway, um, I do have desire to eat. I'm going to go make my. I've got a couple cups of milk left. I'm gonna have me my. I'm gonna take my gold of a milk, my little gold chalice of milk, and I'm gonna just savor that like you wouldn't believe. And I'm gonna have some cashews with it. No salt, please. Uh, roasted, sure. And I'm gonna enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy my morning today. Oh, thank you so much for listening. And it's exciting to grow and learn, and it's exciting to know I can be a better person and a kinder person to other people just by adjusting the way my language is adjust. You know, aware you know, and uh, I'm going to be listening to some people with black skin and brown skin this week. I'm going to be listening to women, uh, survivors. I'm going to be listening to, I was listening to an interview with a person um, recently and they had, uh, was it cerebral palsy? Uh, their speech was affected and I was so great, grateful to just be patient and listen and try to listen a little harder. And the knowledge I got was really good, you know, um, Anyway, thanks for being present with me today. And um, there are solutions here at the house. And please know you're never alone. You're never alone here at the house on Valencia Street. Although sometimes it's whether you like it or not. Take care, kids. I'm happy.